0: Well, hello, everybody. This is Bob Bro. Welcome to the Best Old Time Radio Podcast. The show you're about to hear was a Boomer Boulevard show that was first played on New Year's Eve, December 31st, back in 2018. Hope you
1: enjoy it.
2: It's half past eight exactly, Mr. Dillon.
1: I better get it out of the safe now.
0: Well, you made it this far, everybody don't give up on me now don't give up on me now hi this is Bob Bro coming to you on the very last day of the year from beautiful rainy st louis and this is the boomer boulevard podcast this is the podcast where we play old time radio shows we actually remember from when we were kids because we're baby Everybody's welcome, though. You don't have to be a baby boomer to love these shows. It's just kind of nostalgic for us because we remember them. Now, some of us did hear them on the radio. Some of, uh, some of us remember these shows from their later uh, incarnations on television. But nonetheless, we remember them. And uh, it's just kind of nostalgic. We also play some music, tell some stories, kind of just to have a good time for a couple of hours. And we're so glad that you came along so Come on in out of the rain. You can put your wet galoshes right over there. We have sort of a mud room there, you see. You can just shed those coats, hang them up. And Chester, what is being served tonight? What is it? Hot toddies. Oh, Chester's hot toddies. And what is that, nuts? Mixed, fancy mixed cocktail. Not, no peanuts, okay. Mixed nuts, no peanuts. <laughs> Very good, Chester, and uh, I see you have little finger foods there. Well, come on in, everybody, and make yourselves home. We have a great show tonight. We are going to start off with an episode of Night Beat, and we're going to go and have a, a brand new, well, not a brand new show, it's a, in fact one of the oldest shows we play, but it's uh, one we remember very well from being kids. It's an episode of the Abbott and Costello Show, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. And then we're going to follow things up as we always do on the streets of Dodge City, Kansas, with an episode of Gunsmoke. A couple of these uh, shows we're playing tonight are really uh, tug at your heart type of shows, and we'll talk about that in just a minute. So come on in, everybody. Make yourselves comfortable. Get situated. Chester, you certainly have done outdone yourself tonight. Chester runs our sound. He's been doing it for years. And uh, he also uh, works around the studio here getting things set up for our visitors. So right on Chester. Come on in and we're gonna get started in just a minute. started tonight, we're going to play one of two shows that are not action-packed, but they will tug at your heart. A little irony is involved in, in both of them, too. The first one is an episode of Nightbeat. This was the uh, wonderful show with uh, Randy Stone as the columnist for a great Chicago newspaper who writes the Nightbeat and robes around the town and gets to know the people and the places that uh, uh, is Chicago in the middle of the night. And tonight is a good example. He is dealing with a man who is referred to as Old Blind Pop. And Old Blind Pop has a problem and maybe Randy can help him. Let's go to uh, August the 7th, 1950. And listen to Frank Lovejoy's Randy Stone in Nightbeat.
3: Stone. I cover the night beat for the Chicago Star. My stories start in many different ways. This one began with a man who was blind and ended when he saw his blindness went deeper than his eyes.
4: Night Beat, starring Frank Lovejoy as Randy Stone.
3: It was after 11 when I turned into that section of North Clark that begins to wake up, then. And... Tonight it was jumping no more than usual. It just seemed that way. I threaded my way through the visiting playboys from Keokuk and St. Louis and the whining panhandlers and the sad-eyed gals. Then I stopped for a minute to watch Old Pop. There he stood as I'd seen him stand night after night before the little burlesque theater sawing away at the same old tune and the same old battered fiddle. I walked up
5: to him, listened for a moment, and then... Thank you, thank you. Business good tonight, Pop? Randy. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. You never miss, do you? (laughs) Not my
3: regulars. How have you been? Oh, good, good. You? I... all right. Business good? Lousy. Well, still early. Midnight shows ought to bring in some tariff. Uh Uh-huh.
5: What's it look like tonight, Randy? I don't have to tell you, Pop. I think, I think you can see more than I can. Yeah, that's the trouble with being blind. It's not what you miss without eyes, but what you do see. I can feel them, Randy. The cheap sports. The ones who drop a penny in my cup, drop it in from way up because it sounds heavier when it hits. Big shots. The ones who drop half dollars when they're with a girl and pass me up when they're alone. <laughs> Where do I fit in, Pop? <laughs> you never change. Always a quarter. night you drop in something else, I'll know something's wrong. Well, the show's breaking. Here come the girls. Dancers, they call themselves. Dancers. Cheap, oh, shoddy. Oh, careful,
3: Pop. Oh,
6: well, well. If it ain't Horace Greasy. Oh,
5: Greeley? It's Horace Greeley. How are you, Pearl?
6: Feet are killing me. <laughs>
5: From what? Standing in one spot? And... Oh, so
6: I should move around? Here. Thank you. For nothing. Ain't seen you in a month of Sundays, Randy.
3: Uh, You have to wait your turn. See the show? No, should I?
6: Nah, no one's moving in tomorrow. Bigger and better.
3: And bearer.
6: When I'm paid to wear more, I'll know I'm washed up.
5: (laughs) How's it going?
6: Same old grind. Ha, get it?
5: Every night the same lousy joke.
6: So what? Every night you play the same lousy tune.
5: Who asked for hyper? Long time ago, I, I played better.
6: Yeah, I played fiddle for the czar, so comes the revolution. Honest, Pop, you know anything else?
5: Who'd recognize it around here if I did?
6: So where's your high hat
5: Oh, shut up.
6: Now, listen. Cheap
5: burlesque dancing. Hey,
6: wait a minute. Who are you calling up? You, you, all of hey, you. Hey,
5: Pop, now, Pop, take it easy. What's the matter with you? do oh, let me alone. Just let me alone, that's all.
6: Hey, wait a sec. Sh- well, what's eating on him? He
3: blew up like a boiler.
6: Yeah. He ain't never done that before. And calling me a cheap dancer, who does he think he is? Plays for nickels and sops himself in cheap wine when he's got the price. He- Hey, Randy. What? No wonder. He was sober.
3: Yeah, I saw that, too.
6: First time I ever seen him come out from under that cloud. He's sick.
3: Well, maybe there's something else, Pearl. Nah,
6: he'll take his nickels and dimes, buy a bottle and soak in it. Believe me, there's nothing wrong with pop that a wet cork won't cure.
3: I don't know. I don't know. There was something else.
6: Honest, you give me the willies.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Pearl, I'll throw in a cup of coffee. Come on. Come on. So we had coffee and we talked about Pop. No one knew where he'd come from. He just showed up one night with a battered fiddle under his arm and started playing. It was a half hour or so after I left Pearl. I moseyed through the street, found myself back at the same place I started, but Pop wasn't there. I told myself he was well in the middle of the pickling process, nothing to get excited about. he'd show up tomorrow night. But that ever-loving curiosity rang up a tilt inside me. I went hunting. I didn't find Pop. And when I passed an all-night hock shop, something in the window sent me inside.
7: Yes, sir. You see something you like? Yeah,
3: that uh, violin in the window.
7: The violin? Oh, sure, sure. You want to see it? Yes, I'd like to. Sure, it ain't often I get a piece like this. No, sir, it ain't often I get a chance to offer something like this. Horowitz himself couldn't want one any better.
3: Yeah, I'll tell him when he gives up the piano. Huh? Oh. Yeah. Oh.
7: <laughs> Where'd you get this? Yeah, from a collection. It's a fine old violin, maybe a hundred years, a few scratches. How much did you give him for it? Uh, give who? The
3: blind man who brought it in. Yeah, how come you know where I got it? Huh? How come? I'd know this violin in a hundred. Now, come on. Uh, how much do you want for it? Mm, Twenty bucks. Fifteen. I paid that. Okay, Twenty. Uh, give me the receipt. Uh, just take it. Give me the money and take it. The receipt, buster. I need it for my expense account. Uh, you a copper? Why ask that? If you ain't, why are you asking all the questions? Why you... Uh, What's wh- bothering you? If you got this violin legitimately, you'll sell it without all this ping-pong. I got it legitimately. Okay, then. The receipt. Neither of us is getting any younger. Well, yeah. I ain't got a receipt. Oh? Why not? Look, the guy
7: comes in. He wants to hock this fiddle. I can't uh-huh. give him no dough on it. Not like he wants, anyway. So? Can we make a deal a swap. For what? I'm only telling you this because I don't want no trouble. But he wants a rod, a
3: heater. You let him have a gun? Yeah, but... uh, Was it loaded? Maybe a couple of shells in it, but... Got anything on paper? His address, maybe? Oh. But you let him have a gun? He was blind. I ain't gonna give anybody a rod if they look like they're going out for a heist. I got a legitimate business. What could a blind guy do with a gun? Figure it out.
8: I'm trying to tell you that I'm clean. I tell you I'm clean. (laughs) Clean.
3: I had no idea where to look for Pop, but I thought maybe one person might know. Pearl. I found her backstage just about ready for her last turn. You like it, boys? Come on, boys. I'll it.
6: Oh, boy, oh, I'll Hey, Randy,
3: oh, grab yourself a fan and cut in any place. Now, Pearl, this has got to be quick. You know where Pop lives? Huh? Yeah.
6: Hey, what's wrong?
3: He traded his violin for a gun.
6: What for? I'd like
3: to know. Now, come on, you got any idea where he lives?
6: No. But I walked a couple of blocks with him one night. He was too stiff to do it alone. Uh Then he turned off in some street. I didn't go no further. Feet were killing me. Which street? I never look at street signs. Um, uh, there was a candy store on the corner. So
3: you know the street?
6: I guess so. All right, then let's go. But my aunt... Forget
3: it for now. Pop's liable to do something with that gun.
6: I... Okay, I'll fix it. Don't make no difference anyhow. New show opening tomorrow. Hey, Gracie. Gracie! Yeah? Come here. Sure. Oh... Please, meet You You ain't. And you ain't gonna. Now, listen, you gotta go on in my place. Me? Me? You've been yammering all good, John. You Now's your chance, honey. Oh, I don't know nothing. It honey. ain't education they want out there. Here, take my balloon. Blow it up a little bigger. You need it. Oh, but I can All you gotta do is be careful of the guy in the first box. He's got a rubber band and some bent pins. Let's go, Randy. <laughs>
3: We tore out of the theater before she had much more than just time to throw on a coat. I'll say this for Pearl. She didn't catch cold easily, but if there was a wind blowing, she'd have been a sensation. Anyway, she found the street and a few questions and answers, sent us to what is politely known as a theatrical boarding house. And then outside Pop's door...
6: Bust it in, Randy.
3: Pop! Hey, Pop, it's Randy. Open up. Bust it in. Okay, look out.
6: Wait. Pop.
3: Are you all right? All right. Yes, I. I'm all right. What do you want? Oh, so we're coming in, Pop. No, we're coming in.
6: Yo, Sponge, what's the idea of throwing a scare in me? Wait a
3: minute, take it easy, Pearl. All right, let's have the gun, Pop.
6: There it is, Randy. Uh, give it to me. Uh, 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 uh.
3: You look better in a fiddle. I,
6: I. <laughs> crying, jack. That's what it is. A crying, jack.
3: No, no, no. He's sober.
6: And for this, I let Gracie do my act. I'm ruined.
3: Get out of here, both of you. Leave me alone. Uh, just a minute. Just a minute.
6: Uh, Randy, don't point that.
3: You couldn't fire this in a million years. The firing pins filed off. <laughs> he cheated me. No wonder he let you have it. Okay, Pop, what's the idea? I
5: thought I could kill myself. Okay, you thought you could kill yourself. Why? I wanted to stop living this way. I wanted to stop lying to myself.
6: So all of a sudden you don't like the way you've been living? Shut up. Okay.
5: I'm sorry. Pop, you want to talk about it?
6: Well, he already did. He already no, said No, it. no,
5: no, no. That's not the whole story. You know, don't you, Randy? I know there's something else. What is it? Yes, there is. There's nine years of lies and cheating. Nine years of running away from something I want to face but can't. Tonight, I, I want to stop it. Stop what? Stop the whole thing from coming down, coming down and killing me, and her.
3: For a moment after Pop said that, he stared into space. His sightless eyes seemed to be seeing something neither Pearl nor I could sense. And then
5: Over on the dresser, Andy. Picture. Face down. Get it. Okay. You
3: mean this one of a girl?
5: Yes. Bring it here.
6: Gee,
5: nice. Here, Pop. I haven't seen it in five years. Since since my eyes. She's a beautiful girl, Pop. That's Vicky, my, my daughter.
6: This, this classy-looking dame? Yes. You know, I've seen her someplace. Well,
5: she's famous. What about it, Pop? I'm a great old man for a kid like that. Busted, broken down, blind, playing for nickels and dimes. Look,
6: if she's the right kind, what difference does it make what you did? I
5: lied to her. For nine years, I've lied. Well, what about? When did it start? Start? Well, when she was a kid. I was playing in the vaudeville house. She was going to school. That and learning to dance. And uh, her mother left. Ran out. But I didn't care. I had Vicky. On days when I didn't have to be at the theater, we had big dreams. Great big dreams. I'd play for She Dance. You're not allowed to get tired. Now, come on, once more. It's too fast. Just right, Vicky. That's enough, Dad. <laughs> okay, lazy. Come here. What's the matter, honey? Nothing. Now, come on. Let's have it.
9: I can't dance as good as the rest of the kids.
5: Who said so? Me. What's your teacher say?
10: Nothing.
5: What do you want her to do? Hang flowers on you? Now listen. Listen. What do we always say?
9: We'll go all over the world together.
5: That's right. And you'll be the greatest ballerina in the world. I'll lead the orchestra for Vicky. France, Italy, England. Great big oysters full of Pearls. You wouldn't let me down, would you, honey?
6: I don't want to. Besides,
5: we've always got each other, Vicky. No matter what happens, we've always got each other.
6: I don't ever want
5: to leave you. <laughs> you won't, honey. Never. Now, come on. Let's try it again.
10: Better. Better.
5: She got where I said she would, Randy. Famous.
3: But you, what, what uh, happened between the
5: two of you? Things got bad. I, I had to take a job where the cheap band traveled. I kept her in school, and then, go on, Pop. Then I, I hit a grease bargain.
6: Bottoms up, huh?
5: Yeah. And my eyes. But I kept writing to her, telling her I was doing all right. I, I sent her money, all I could. I lied to her. Told her I was playing with a big orchestra. A thousand times I tried to pull myself together. I didn't. So where is she now? Coming here. To Chicago. How do you know that? Randy, yeah. on the table there, a copy of the billboard. Get it. Turn to the personals. Mm-hmm. I get it every week. No matter where we were, we'd, we'd keep in touch that way. I I pretended to... Keep moving around. I mailed in fake addresses so so she wouldn't know.
3: What's in this one, Pop?
5: I always had somebody read the column to me, and and this morning you'll see it, Randy. Oh. Uh,
3: Dad from Vicky. That it,
5: Pop? Yes. Dad from Vicky.
3: Will be in Chicago the eighth. Please meet me Washington Boulevard and State under the clock at ten
5: in the morning. Please, please be there. But I can't. How did she know you were here? It, it was my last address. She just 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 put it in, hoping.
6: Well, look what's so tough. Just meet her. Like I said, if she's any good at all, she won't care what you No, she...
5: I won't. Pop, you've been running away for nine years. You can't keep on doing it. Let her see me? No, don't you see, Randy? She's famous. She's Mivanya. Wow, she is famous.
6: And it's still ten to one. She's got legs like a piano.
5: Oh, come on. Hold it, Provo. The ballet's here in Chicago, huh? Yes, I, I heard that their first American tour in ten years... Randy, I I want to meet her. Talk with her. Touch her face again, but I... I can't. Not... Not now.
3: Pop, you're going to meet her tomorrow. No.
5: She'll be here for only three days.
3: During that time, you'll be what she thinks you are. She doesn't have to find out anything else.
5: I never told her I was blind.
3: Well, is that a crime? Oh, Randy. Pop, you're going to be under the clock tomorrow morning at ten. It was easy to say, just like that... But I wondered what would happen. Playing with other people's lives is like splitting an atom and including yourself in the chain reaction. But I wanted Pop to meet Vicky. I stayed with him that night, got him into a clean press suit, made him shave and stay out of striking distance of anything that looked like a bottle. And then it was ten in the morning.
5: 10, Randy. That's 10 o'clock. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Give her time, Pop. Uh, Let's go, Randy. Before it's too late, let's go. Uh, Take me away from here. You look all right. There's nothing to be ashamed of. She's bound to find out. Not from me or you. She'll want to know what I've been doing, where I've been. Randy, I've told so many lies. I'll have a few more on me. Do you see her? Not yet. I hope she doesn't come. I hope. I hope she does. She will. What'll I say? Uh, Randy, tell me what to say. You'll know, Pop. Nobody'll have to tell you. Now, stand still. Take it easy. Help me. Help me tell one more lie.
3: He didn't have to tell one more. Vicky didn't show up. Not at 10, not at 10.30, or not at 12 when we finally left the corner. I didn't want to leave Pop alone, so I took him to my apartment. I left him there in the lobby with the clerk keeping an eye on him while I went calling. Calling on a lady named Vanya. My press card works magic, especially backstage. I got in to see him, all right.
9: It is so charming, Monsieur Stoltz. Yes,
3: yes, of course, charming. Uh, I expected to meet you earlier.
9: Oh, so? <laughs> I'm glad you did not. I'm afraid I do not look my best before noon or later.
3: Maybe that's why you didn't show up.
9: Pardon. Show up? Hello, Vicky. You... You called me what?
3: Just Vicky, uh, for the present. I may think of something else later.
9: I do not understand.
3: Look, baby, I got a hunch you were there this morning. You saw him and decided not to stop. Is that it?
9: Well, if this is the joke, monsieur, monsieur Stone, I do not appreciate it.
3: Oh, please, let's stop the polite tennis.
9: But but you're insane. Now it is
3: tennis. He was blind. You saw that. He wasn't what you expected after all these years. Or or maybe... And I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt. Maybe you didn't recognize him.
9: Uh, You will please to excuse me one moment. Igor? Igor! Please, come here. You... uh, You would like maybe a drink?
3: No, no, thank you. Look, Vicky, you can drop the Iron Curtain disguise. You see, I... Uh.
9: Oh, Igor, please come in A pleasure Igor, this, this man is, is crazy He says he's from a newspaper
7: Oh, that is very
3: nice and who are you? I, I am the Ballymaster, what else? We'll leave that unanswered for the time uh, To get back to you, Vicky He
9: uh, calls me Vicky hmm?
3: Why? Well, that's her name Now look, don't give me any more of this now Yes but you're a, You're a brunette a little gray, perhaps, but understand. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I... Let me get a closer look.
9: Igor, keep him
3: away. I will go for help. No, 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 never mind. You're not Vicky, are you?
9: Please, monsieur, I am Mivanya.
3: Ludmilla Mivanya Krochenko. One of those is enough. I... Okay, I'm, I'm sorry. It's all a mistake. I thought you were someone else. But
7: that is impossible. She... I know,
3: I know, I know. I apologize again. I made a very bad mistake. Please forgive me. Oh, it is nothing. Please to come again. Sure, sure. Invite some fawns over. We'll spend another afternoon. She wasn't Vicky, but she was Mivanya I felt a little like the guy who opened the wrong door in a Turkish bath. I hurried back to Pop... Took him up to my apartment, sat him down, and told him what had happened. I'm not lying, Randy. I'm not. I saw Vicky's picture. I saw Mavanya. At first, a guy could make a mistake, but not with a good second look.
5: Randy, I swear oh, to you... Oh, come on,
3: Pop. Give it to me straight.
5: What's the deal? Why should I make up such a story? That's what I'd like to
3: know. Brother, I bit, Hook, line, and sinker. I took the bait. Why'd you throw it? For the last time, Randy, I
5: didn't lie to you. A
3: gun with no firing pin, a fine long story about a daughter. Great
5: builder. I'm going, Randy.
3: Okay, Pop. Go ahead. You still think... Excuse me, won't you? Yeah. Uh Oh, Pearl. Oh, sure, we were there. We had a... What's that? Oh, now, look, honey, if you... Give me that again. Now, hold on a minute. Pop! What? Pop! What? Sit down, wait a minute.
5: I'm going. You're going
3: to sit down and you're going to wait. Now, come on.
5: Oh, what's the matter, Randy? Is that... No, 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 no.
3: Okay, Pearl, give me the rest. Yeah. What's the address? I got it. Ah, Now, look. I'm going to bring Pop to you. Hold on to him like a mink coat. Don't let him out of your sight. And then I'm going to go to that address. Yes? How do you do? My name is Stone. Randy Stone. Chicago Star. He's my press card, social security. What do you want? May I come in? But... Thank you.
6: Hey, you've got a nerve. Yeah,
3: today I've got to have. May I sit down?
6: And if I say no? Well,
3: I'll have to stand. I can say what I want standing up.
6: I... <laughs> All right, what do you want?
3: I want to know why you weren't under the clock at 10 this morning.
6: I don't know what you're talking about.
3: Dad, from Vicky in Chicago the 8th. Please meet me. Where...
6: Where'd you find that out?
3: Billboard magazine, personal column.
6: I don't want to talk about it.
3: Well, I do. And so does your dad.
6: I... Where is he? How is he?
3: Well, first, tell me why you didn't show up this morning.
6: Is he all right? I guess so. You guess? Don't you know? Answer me!
3: Vicky. you are Vicky, aren't
6: you? Yes, what about Dad?
3: Well, you want to see him, don't you? I...
6: More than anything else in the world.
3: I thought so. Now, how about tonight? Tonight? But... I'll fix it.
6: You... You know who I am? As
3: far as I'm concerned, you're Vicky. That's all I care about. That's all he cares I about.
6: I want to believe that. Well,
3: you can. Now, how about tonight? I...
6: But what'll I say?
3: Vicky, you'll know what to say when you see him.
6: I wanted to be there this morning. Now, I... oh, look,
3: don't give me the excuses or reasons. Just meet me tonight. Where? I'll pick you up. A date? Why are you doing this? Human interest stuff. Let it go at that, huh? But... Tonight and Vicky. What? Uh, maybe you'll be a little shocked. I will? Yes, maybe you will. Well, I'll see you tonight, and this time, show up. Hmm? I stayed with Papa all the rest of the day. I had a story now, right up to the final paragraph. What the tag would be, I didn't know. I wouldn't know until that night. All dependent on how things turned out, and I wasn't at all sure. When you play Mr. Fix-It with people's lives and emotions, you're cooking up a surprise party. Anyway, I had to try it. So that night... Randy, what are you doing? Now take it easy, Pop. Everything will be all right. I hope. Well, why did you bring me back here? Well, this is where you always stand, isn't it? Right in front of the burlesque theater?
5: Yes, but I can't... Pop, you've got to trust me. Do you? I, I guess I have to, Randy. Okay. Here, take this. What is it? You'll know what it is. But. My violin.
3: Yeah, it uh, was lonesome in that hock shop. It needs a chin to cuddle up to.
5: Try yours on for size. No, I don't want it. Randy, take me away from here. Now,
3: look, Pop. Today I stood under a clock for two hours. I made an idiot of myself in front of two people I never saw before in my life and all for you. Now you're going to do something for me. Now you get ready to play that violin. Randy. Uh, Yeah, hi, April.
6: Come here. Excuse us, Pop.
3: Uh, Randy. I want me a second, Pop. Well?
6: Yeah. It's all set. Good. How long? Just a few seconds. Randy? One. You got your fingers crossed?
3: All 12 of them.
6: Run for your lives, boys. The dam is burst. Here they come. The gals of the chorus. Eight luscious beauties. Count them, boys. Eight.
3: All right, stand over there. Randy. Randy. Yeah, I'm right here, Pop. I'm right next to you. Now, listen. Remember that piece you used to play for Vicki when she was a kid, learning to dance? The, this one? That's it. Play it, Pop. Huh? Now? Why? Pop, pop, play it. Now, go on. But... uh, Play it. Play it for me, huh, Pop? Hello there.
5: Recognize the tune?
10: I... Oh, no.
5: Yeah? Randy, who... Who's that? Ask her.
6: No, it... Dad.
10: Vicky... (laughs) <laughs> <Can> oh,
5: Dad. <gasps> yes,
3: Pop. Vicky. Here, here. No.
6: Yeah. Here, Pop. She's a big star, all right, but not quite in the same line you figured. But it's still dancing. Dad, Dad, forgive me. I, I've been wanting to write to tell you, but I've been lying all these years. I pretended you that lied. I. You
5: lied. You pretended. I was
6: it. tired of lying, running away. I, I knew you'd find out I wasn't with the ballet when it came over here. I, but I'm not ashamed. I'm not dead.
3: You're not? Why should she be, Pop? Now, how about you? I. I. Vicky. Vicky, my baby. Uh, Pearl. Hmm? Huh? Come on.
6: Oh, we waited for this we... we
3: didn't wait nine years, Pearl. Come on.
6: Yeah. Okay.
3: See you later, Pop.
6: He didn't even hear you. Come on.
3: Worked, didn't it?
6: Have
3: gone haywire. Oh, I don't know. The odds were with us.
6: Yeah. I gotta apologize to her.
3: Hmm? What for?
6: No muscles in those legs. So,
3: there's the finish. It's funny. Two people lying to each other, dodging, pretending, when all it took was a couple of words to end years of fear and doubt. Well, it just goes to show you, blood's thicker than water, and pride is a lot thinner than love. Hmm. Copy, boy. (laughs)
4: Night Beat, starring Frank Lovejoy, is produced and directed by Warren Lewis and edited by Larry Marcus. Tonight's story was written by Russell Hughes with music by Frank Worth. The part of pop was played by Charles Seal. Others in tonight's cast were Lou Krugman, Charlotte Lawrence, Betty Moran, Veronica Pataki, and Ann Whitfield. Frank Lovejoy will next be seen in Milton Sperling's production, Three Secrets, released by Warner Brothers. Listen next week at this time and every week as Randy Stone searches through the city for the strange stories waiting for him in the darkness. Nightbeat came to you from Hollywood. programs, get your programs here. More action-packed adventure mystery programs are yours for the listening Wednesday night on NBC. Hear The Falcon, Mr. District Attorney, The Big Story, Dick Powell as Richard Diamond, and Brian Donlevy in Dangerous Assignment. For stellar suspense-filled radio drama, tune here Wednesday for great adventure mystery shows. Stay tuned for the first piano quartet on NBC.
0: Oh, man, I like that one. I like that one. That was a little (laughs) O'Henry-esque. A little bit, wasn't it? They were both deceiving one another, both trying to convince the other one that things were better than they were. Ah, uh, That was good. That was Nightbeat. That starred uh, Frank Lovejoy as Randy Stone. And that one was first broadcast on NBC on the 7th of August back in
10: 1950. I'd like to buy the world a home and furnish it with love. Mm-hmm. Grow apple trees and honeybees and honey
11: snow so white, white turtle do. dove. I like to teach teach the world to sing. Sing sing with with me.
0: You know, I got together with some uh, friends the other night. We got talking about when we were teenagers, how so much time was spent out just cruising. Just cruising. Now, being from Southern California, I used to go up to Hollywood and cruise up Hollywood Boulevard and all the way uh, over to, oh, I don't know, somewhere around La Brea and then down to Sunset. And then we'd make a ride on Sunset and head out along the Sunset Strip, all the way out to uh, to Beverly Hills, almost to Santa Monica, really. And then uh, jump back on the 405 to go home to Long Beach. And that would take, just to go maybe that, oh ten 10 miles, that would be about three hours because of all the kids that were cruising. I managed, oh, I must have driven the, the business is crazy, but we loved it. We loved it. It was just, just, something that you just love to do, being out there with all those kids, everybody with their windows rolled down, everybody listening to basically the same music. In fact, as you drove down the highway or down uh, Hollywood Boulevard, this is kind of what it sounded like. (laughs)
12: She forgot
13: all about the library like she told her old man now. And with the radio blast and go cruising just as fast as she can now.
5: And she'll have fun, fun, fun. Tillin' it takes
10: a
14: Aeroplane, ain't got time to take a fair train. Lonely days ago, I'm a going home. My baby just wrote me a letter. I don't care how much money I got to spend. Got to get back to my baby again. Lonely days are gone. I'm a going home. My baby just
11: wrote me a letter. Yes, you
13: Shadow, shadow, leaping and hopping on a moon shadow, moon shadow, moon shadow. And if I ever lose my hands, lose my plow, lose my land, Yes, if I ever lose my hands, oh, if I won't have to work no more.
12: Something for everyone, a comedy tonight (laughs) Nothing with keys, nothing with clowns Bring on the lovers, liars and
15: clowns
12: Situation, no complications
15: Nothing portentous or polite Ready Tomorrow tomorrow, comedy tonight
0: Well, on our comedy corner this week, we're introducing a new show, The Abbott and Costello Show. And what baby boomer doesn't remember (laughs) Abbott and Costello? I mean, we used to watch them on TV when we were kids and used to see their movies. I remember one of my very favorite movies as a kid was Abbott and Costello Meet Frankenstein. And I remember Mr. Harry Francis playing that at the Crest Theater for Saturday afternoon kiddie show Uh, several times over the years that I used to attend those uh, those kiddie shows and it was a scary movie we always wanted the as kids always were trying to talk him into the real scary monster movies but he said our mothers would complain too much so the best we got was Abbott and Costello which was tremendous that was actually a 1948 movie so we were seeing it many many years after it was released Bud and Lou, Bud Abbott and Lou Costello met in 1936 in New York City. They were both doing the burlesque circuit. And Abbott's regular partner fell sick, and so Lou Costello filled in. Well, right away the chemistry seemed to work. And Abbott's wife, among others, encouraged them to become a regular permanent pair on the vaudeville circuit. And so they did. They built an act reworking burlesque sketches with Abbott as a devious straight man, and Costello as the dim-witted comic. The team's first radio broadcast was on February 3rd, 1938, on the Kate Smith Hour. And they first performed their famous Who's On First routine for a national radio audience the following month. They were regulars on Kate Smith's show for two years. It's interesting, during that time period, listeners started complaining that they couldn't tell the two apart. The similarities between their voices on radio made it difficult for listeners to distinguish which one of them was talking because their routines were obviously, uh, most times, very rapid fire. So as a result, Costello started using a high-pitched, childish voice. And that, of course, is, is how we think of Lou Costello today. The pair were given their own radio show in 1940, and it made its debut as the summer replacement for The Fred Allen Show. In 1941, Bud and Lou joined Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy on the Chase and Sanborn Hour, but they were given their own weekly radio programs in October 1942, and that show lasted through 1949. Their popularity led them to Hollywood, where they were consistently in the top ten most... Uh, I don't know exactly how you'd say that. Since they were a team, you wouldn't say they were one of the top ten actors... But they were one of the most profitable, I guess, best box office, uh, most popular draws during all of the 40s. They were always in the top 10. And I think it was in 1948, they were actually number one. Sadly, uh, Lucas Costello died very young. He was only 52 years old when he died in 1959 of a heart attack. He had rheumatic fever as a child, and they think that may have contributed to uh, his poor health as an adult. Interestingly, on June 26, 1992, the city of Patterson, New Jersey, which was Lou Costello's hometown, erected a statue of Costello in the newly named Lou Costello Memorial Park. It's right in the city's historic downtown area. I've actually, actually stood at the base of that statue and looked at it, and it kind of gave you goosebumps. The statue features Lou holding a baseball bat. Of reference to the team's most famous routine, Who's On First? Well, the episode we're going to listen to tonight was first broadcast on November 18th in 1943, a little further back than we normally go on Boomer Boulevard, but who doesn't remember Abbott and Costello? Now remember, in 1943, the United States was at war. In fact, the whole war was, I mean, the whole world was right in the middle of World War II. And during the war, there was a lot of rationing of normal goods in order to uh, supply the armed services. So things like sugar and gasoline and other commodities were in short supply. And some things like nylons, like in nylon stockings, were downright impossible to buy, as you will hear in our story tonight, featuring guest star Lucille Ball. So here we go back to November 18th, 1943 and the Abbott and Costello Show.
15: The Abbott and Costello Program, brought to you by camels, the cigarette that's first in the service. Camels stay fresh because they're packed to go around the world. Listen to the music of Freddie Rich and his orchestra. The songs of Connie Haynes. Billy Gray as Little Matilda. Mel Blanc is the famous Leon Schlesinger cartoon character, Bugs Bunny. Tonight's guest, Metro Golden Mayor star of the Best Foot Forward, Miss Lucille Ball, and starring Bud Abbott and Lou Costello. <laughs>
8: Costello Late as usual Why What kept you this time? Ah I was waiting for our new letter carrier Abbott Yes Yeah and it turned out to be a dame Boy did I have trouble with her And what kind of trouble? She tried to kiss me Yeah She kept right on kissing me On the eyes On the nose On the chin Wait a minute Why didn't she kiss you on the lips? Well she's new at the post office And she can't find the right zone The right zone (laughs) There you go again Costello I can read your mind like a book. All I can see is women, women, and women. Where did you turn to page four? You'll find some girls. Yeah, girls. (laughs) Girls, girls, girls. Every night you're out late with girls. Last night you were out with two. Yeah, but I only caught one. Uh, no, 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 no. Boy, no. was she beautiful. I met her down at the Lone Palm, King John's joint. Oh, King John. <laughs> Was she a gorgeous aircraft worker? She was? What a fuselage. A fuselage? <laughs> <laughs> that little aircraft worker did something to me, brother. No kidding. I took her in my arms. I felt the pounding in my chest. You mean your heart was beating? No, she forgot to turn off her riveting machine. No. <laughs> now, see here, Costello. You'll have to stop this. Either you stop going around with all these girls and talking about them all the time, or we're through. I didn't know you felt that way, Abbott. Yes. All right, I promise. I won't look at another girl if I live to be a thousand years old.
16: Hello, my fat little sugar man.
8: How time flies.
10: <laughs> Gee, honey,
8: you look cute tonight. Do you really think so, honey? Yeah. Now I know what they mean by the solid South.
16: Uh,
8: uh, all right, Costello, look You get it, eh? Now, all right, look If you're so anxious to go out with girls Why don't you pick out some nice girl like Connie Haines? Ah, uh, Connie won't go out with me
16: Yes, I will, Mr. Costello I had a fight with my family tonight And I want to disgrace them but... Gee, <laughs> what did I tell you, Abbott? There's
8: no use I'm surprised at you Did George Washington give up at Valley Forge? He had a tough time Never mind Did Paul Revere give up? No, but Paul Revere had a horse she
16: could depend on.
8: Well, well, you've got me. I'd rather have the horse.
16: ought. Well, Miss Costello, I'll go out with you on one condition: if you all get me a pair of nylon stockings.
8: A pair of nylon stockings? That's a deal. Now, now, don't be silly, Costello. You can get nylon. Oh, okay, can? I can get one pair, two pair. I can get a dozen pair of nylon. <laughs> that OPA here's
16: everything. <laughs> Goodbye, my fat little sugar man. I'll see you at 8 o'clock tonight with a nylon.
8: Gee, Abbott, I guess I talk too fast. Where am I going to get a pair of nylons? I want to go out with Connie Haynes. Well, why don't you be smart? Be nice to Mrs. Niles.
15: That's right, Costello. My wife has
8: a pair of nylon stockings. Now, wait a minute, Niles. You mean a dame with those ugly legs spends money for stockings? Well, now, what do you expect her to wear? Hip boots. Hip boots. I heard that remark, Costello. Oh, well, if it isn't, Mrs. Niles in the flesh. And I used the word loosely.
17: (laughs) Oh, you funny, funny man. And I used the word physically. (laughs) Ah, you know, there's nothing wrong with my legs. Why, I was once a ballet dancer. I used to kick my leg way up in the air. Yeah,
8: and on the way down, you'd catch it. Now? <laughs> now, why do you fight with Mrs. Niles? Her legs are very attractive. Are you kidding? Ah. She's so bow-legged, every time she runs, she looks like an egg-beater.
10: <laughs> Am
12: I insulting you? My legs are perfectly straight, Costello. Look at them. They're just like arrows. Feathers and all. <laughs> Of oh, all the nerve! I'm not an old hen.
18: Oh no! Get back in your coop. Come on, get stop back in your now coop. you stop that. It, chitch it, chitch it. Oh,
12: stop it. that! I said. Cluck, cluck, cluck. Stop it. that! I said. Cluck, 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 cluck. Uh, Kenneth, will you please say something? <laughs> <laughs> Kenneth Niles, you come with me.
8: Niles? No. Door, door slams. Never oh, no, mind no, that. No. Excuse me. Come here, Costello. That was written here. That never mind myself. what's written here. Excuse me. Excuse me. Well, you've driven Mrs. Niles out of the studio again.
12: Oh, pilot the navigator, pilot the navigator. (laughs) Sighted game, sank same. Uh, I think that's very funny, but I'm only three and a half years old. (laughs) It's
8: little Matilda. (laughs) Matilda, what are you doing out of school?
12: My teacher sent me home because I kissed a little boy.
8: You kissed a boy?
12: Well, it wasn't exactly a kiss. We were eating the same liquor stick and I chewed past my head. Now, look, Matilda,
8: will you please go home?
12: I can't. I'll get lost. Oh, no, you won't.
8: The train stops at every station.
12: Why does it stop at every station, Uncle Louis?
8: Because it's a milk train.
12: Do they have to milk it at every station? <laughs>
8: How do you like a little kid, three and a half years yeah. old, wants to know if you have to milk a train? Milk a station. train, milk a train. It's impossible. You can't milk a train, oh, that's silly. How's he going to get a big train to sit on a little stool? Ah! Now, oh, look, Matilda, please. Don't worry, Uncle Louie. He's trying to get a pair of nylon stockings.
12: You can get a pair of nylon stockings from my friend, Betty Grable. How do you know she has nylons? Because that's where I saw her put her money. The Bank of America never had branches like that.
8: <laughs> Wait a minute, Matilda. Uh, maybe you can help Uncle Louie. Do you oh. really know Betty Grable?
12: Yeah. Here's a picture of us on a bicycle. That's me on the handlebars.
8: Mm-hmm. But uh, why have you got such a surprised look on your
15: face?
12: Cold handlebars. Cold.
15: Ready, <laughs> Richard, the orchestra. No love, no nothing. <laughs> Abbott and Costello and their search for nylon stockings. Well, Costello, I guess we came
8: to the right place. Look at that sign. Square deal, Bottoms, the happy, oh, so happy store.
10: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, uh,
8: Costello, what was that? That was Bigglebottom making a cheerful refund. Oh, boy. I wonder where the hosiery department is. Let's uh, ask this fellow over here. Uh, Pardon me, mister. Are you the floor walker? What do you think I am with this carnation on a flower pot? (laughs) After all, I'm not a jerk, you know. Well, you're not trying. (laughs) Costello, don't antagonize the man. He might be able to help you, you know. Oh, I think you got something there, Abbott. Mister, please, mister. I wish you could do something for me. I gotta get a pair of nylons. We haven't any nylons and stop licking my hand. (laughs) It's no use, Abbott. All right. Forget about the nylons and the date with Connie Heen. Uh, just a moment, gentlemen. I can give you a tip on a real bargain. Uh, due to a slight oversight in our tailoring department, we have 4,000 pairs of three-legged pants. <laughs> three-legged pants? That's great. I'll tell all my three-legged friends. <laughs> but don't tell them all. Remember, only one pair to a customer. <laughs> Come on, Abby. let's
18: get out of here and away uh, from this guy. All right, don't get
8: excited. Wait a minute. We'll try the sales girl here. Oh, miss, uh, can you tell us where we might get a pair of nylons?
18: Sorry, I can't help you. You see, I'm in long underwear. <laughs> Itchy, isn't it?
8: <laughs> Stop insulting people. Now, there's only one, to get, one way to get those nylons, uh, Lou. Listen to me. We'll have to see uh, Mr. Beetlebottom. Personally, we've got to do this. Now, come on. Here's the elevator. Up, 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 That's enough. Up up, That's enough up, 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 up.
18: Cut it out. Have you
8: tried baking soda? And, uh, look, never mind that.
18: All right, folks, step lively. Get a move on. Plenty of room on a second layer. Are
8: uh, you going up?
18: Yeah. What's up, Doc? What's cooking, Fatsho?
8: Costello, look, it's Bugs Bunny.
18: <laughs> hey, Bugs, what are you doing running an elevator? Well, I'm replacing a woman that's essential, Doc. Come on, stop wasting time. Get us up there. Okay, Doc, Coming up. <laughs> Go up too fast for your pet,
8: No, I always wear my pants at half-mast. Bugs, <laughs> will you please let us out?
18: Okay, Doc. Eight floor, chewing gum, chocolate bar, sweet cream, butter, T-bone steaks, and other postcards. <laughs>
8: <laughs> yeah, but I'm gonna murder this rabbit. Oh, no, no, don't pay any attention to him. Now, we've got to see Mr. Bigelbottom about those nylon stockings. There, there's a secretary. Uh, pardon me, miss. Can we see uh, Mr. Bigelbottom...
12: Okay, did you have an apartment? An apartment? No. Then where did you want to see him abert? I want to see him abert some New Orleans stickers. Oh, New Orleans, they're having a big sale in just a moment down that second Earl. Oh, thanks. Come on, Herbert. Uh, What kind of talk is that?
18: well, uh,
8: Well, stop talking like that. Hurry up, we'll miss the sale.
12: Here you are, people. Here you are. Nylon stockings. Nylon stockings.
8: Hey, you. You over there. I'll take a pair. Who's selling. I'm buying. (laughs) I must be from Nancy's. (laughs) Hey, Costello, stop fooling around. Look up at that sign there. One pair of nylons goes on sale in less than a minute. Hey, but there's 500 women ahead of me. Oh, what do you care? Go on. Squeeze through. Oh, just a minute, young man. You can't squeeze in here. Okay, babe. Let's go outside.
3: (laughs) Hey, yo, watch how you're talking to my mother. She's a pistol-packer mama.
8: What are you, one of the blanks? What? (laughs) Quiet, Costello. Is everybody quiet? (laughs) Everybody quiet, please. Quiet. We are about to put on sale one pair of nylons. Remember, only one pair. The first one to get to the counter will receive the nylons and free medical attention.
18: (laughs) All right, get ready now. (laughs) All right, Fatso, you gotta win this race, Doc. Hey, Bugs, what are you doing on my back? I'm your jockey, Doc. How can I run fast with you on my back? Don't worry, I got a whip. <laughs> hey, hey, Fatso, your stirrups are loose. Take your feet out of my garter belt. <laughs> And they're running at Beagle Bottoms. Uh, it was a bumpy start, and Costello broke fast. Rounding the hard way, away. At the half, it's Costello cutting through the girdle department. Hey, he's into the back stretch. It's Costello by four, by six, and now a final drive down to home. It's Costello all the way. It's nothing between him and the nylons. He can't lose. He's across the finish line. And ladies and gentlemen, here is the winner, Miss Lucille Ball. <laughs>
8: Hey,
17: what's this gag about Lucille Ball? Come on, you. Give me those stockings. Hey,
8: Costello, take your hands off that girl. It is Lucille Ball.
17: Yes, and you won't get the stockings by wrestling with me.
8: Who wants stockings? <laughs> <laughs> Miss uh, Miss Ball, I'd like to apologize for this uh, unseemly conduct. I- I'm Bud Abbott.
17: Oh, how do you do, Mr. Abbott? You're the organ grinder, aren't you?
8: Yes. Uh, no, no. No. <laughs> What makes you think I'm an organ grinder?
17: Well, I thought I recognized that monkey with you. <laughs>
10: now,
17: wait a minute, kid.
8: Costello. Who's the monkey? I mean, after all, I'll, 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 I'll... Uh, Unfinished speech. Costello! Costello! <laughs> Costello, come here. Come here. Shh. Quiet. Now, you've got to play up to Miss Ball if you want to get those nylons. Remember, you can catch more flies with sugar than you can with vinegar. Who wants flies? Uh, I ain't got enough points. Wait a minute. Uh, look, Miss Ball, it's very important for Costello to get those nylon stockings. Uh, my cue. Thank yes. you. Yes. <laughs> yes, and you don't need them, Lucille.
17: Who don't need them? Name me two good reasons. What are these two things I'm standing on? Chopped liver?
8: <laughs> Abbott, you're Costello, on. I was just a minute. Look, <laughs> 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 look you better. You better let me take care of this. You know, Lou, after all, we understand things. Women are putty in my hands. Yeah, but who wants a handful of putty? Ah! <laughs> shut up. I'll have you know that I've got the savoir fare. You ain't
17: even got coffee. Is that now. <laughs> hey, look, Lucille, why, why won't you give me those nylons? Give you the nylons? You've got a lot of nerve. You're nothing but a cheap panhandler. You're not even a man. Oh, yeah? Oh, now there's a great ad lib. <laughs> Ah, Look at the sheet, that's all Read what's on there Well, I think I'll take these nylons home So long, slug See you in the slot machine
8: Well, you fix things fine, Costello What are you gonna do now? Well, I'm gonna dash right out to Lucille Ball's house Get those stockings and dash right back Yes, but uh, what if she's putting them on? Pilot to navigator Cancel that last
18: dash
15: (laughs) Connie Haynes with a hip tune from Oklahoma. The Surrey with the Fringe on Top.
14: Chicks and ducks and geese that are scurry When I take you out in the Surrey When I take you out in the Surrey With the Fringe on Top Watch that fringe and see how it flutters When I drive them high-stepping strutters Knows the folks will peek through their shutters And their eyes will pop the wheels are yellow, the upholstery's brown The dashboard's genuine leather Eyes and glass curtains you can roll right down In case there's a change in the weather Two bright side lights winking and blinking Ain't the final rig I'm a-thinking You can keep your rig if you're thinking that I'd care to swap For that shiny little surrey with a fringe on the top The wind will whistle as we ride along The cows will move in the clover The river will ripple out a whispered song And whisper it over and over Don't you wish we could go on forever? Don't you wish we could go on forever? Don't you wish you could go on forever? And we'd never stop and we'd never have to hurry And we'd never have to worry In the shiny little surrey with the fringe on the top
8: Well, Costello, here we are at Lucille Ball's house. Now, remember, you've got to make an impression on her to get those nylon stockings. Uh, comb your hair. It is combed, damn it. Look, ain't it plastered down nice? Mm, what did you use to uh, plaster it down? Plaster. 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 How come, you, how come your hair's so yellow? Mustard plaster. Well. Boy, watch me go to work on that Lucille Ball. I'll turn on a charm. Uh, you'd better let me handle it, Costello. She's more of my type. I go for those Trim ankles. Uh, you couldn't afford the upkeep on an ankle like that? N- Why not? That's a very classy joint. Oh, sh- <laughs> shut up here. I'll ring the bell. Never mind, don't ring the bell. Can't you read the sign? Maid sleeping. I'll knock.
17: Oh, it's about time you guys got here. You'll find the ladder and saw in the basement.
8: Ladder and saw?
17: Yeah, aren't you fellows from the tree surgeons? I was expecting somebody here to trim my tree trunks.
8: We're only interested in your limbs. <laughs> look, Miss Ball, I'm afraid you have us confused with somebody else. You met us in the department store, remember? I'm Abbott. And I'm Costello. You must have a poor memory for faces.
17: Yeah, especially for poor faces. <laughs> Listen, what do you guys want here? It's too late for Halloween. And it's too early for Groundhog Day. Oh, wait a minute, What I? Do I look like a groundhog?
8: No coaching, please.
10: <laughs>
8: quiet, quiet, Costello. Get away from here. Uh, I'll take care of this. Uh, Miss Ball, we're just trying to be neighborly. You know how the laundry situation is, and we're here to help you with your washing. Uh, for instance, we, we wash stockings and...
17: Yeah, yeah, stockings. Yeah. Oh, well, that sounds interesting. Is your laundry service fast? Fast.
8: We bring it back before it's clean. <laughs> you see, Miss Ball, we're especially expert in the care of nylon stockings. Yeah, nylons. nylons.
17: Wait a minute, wait a minute. Are you fellas trying to talk me into something?
8: No, we're trying to talk you out of something.
17: <laughs> well, I'm not interested. You'll have to leave now.
8: Hey, Abbott, I think we're sunk. What am I going to do? Turn on the charm. Go ahead. Make love to her. Okay. Oh, Lucille, please don't send me away. I've always admired you. Come, sit with me on this love sheet, baby. <laughs> please, baby, and put your feet, at your face, your foot, now, in my hands. not something What's happening in my hands? Yeah, now turn it on, Costello. Turn it on. Go ahead. Lucille, I've lived for this moment. We were meant for each other. I was born to kneel at your feet.
17: Get this G.I. haircut with a civilian approach. Don't spur me, Lucille. Did everybody go out? (laughs) Don't spur me, Lucille. I love you.
8: I love you, Lucille. I love you. I adore you. When I look at your face, it sets my brain on fire. I thought I smelled punk burning. Hey, Abbott, what should I say? Recite poetry to her. Recite poetry? Yeah. Okay. Ashes to ashes and dust to dust. If I don't get you... Tommy Manful must.
17: Just a second. Who do you think you are, Santa Claus? No, why? Then stay away from my stockings. What are you trying to do, fat boy? Fat boy? Who's fat? Look at my shape, Lucille. Of course, I go in here, then
8: I go out there, and I go in here a little, and then I go out there a little more than I go in here a little. <laughs> And that's funny, I don't come back in again. Oh, stop being silly, Costello. Everybody knows you're fat.
17: Sure, I was talking to your tailor at Universal. He says he measured you for two days before he even met you. Costello. (laughs) He's right, Costello. hey, kid.
8: Look, Lou, why don't you stop all this nonsense? The best thing to do is put your cards on the table. Come on. Okay, Abbott, it's this way, Lucille. I promised a pair of nylon stockings to a girl. And if you give me your nylons... I'll let you work in my next picture.
17: Threatening me will get you nowhere. Oh, we could do a terrific
8: love scene. Come here, Lucille. I'll show you the kiss. I'm getting the hiccups.
17: The kiss that made me famous. Ready? Ready. Contact. <laughs> Where did you learn to kiss like that?
8: Siphoning gas out of cars. Well,
17: what do you say, Lucille? How about another kiss? No, thanks. I'd rather give you the stocking. You fellas, turn your backs now, take them off.
8: Come on, Costello, turn around.
17: Yeah, and no necking. Don't worry, I won't rubber, Ball. <laughs> I thought it was
6: funny. <laughs>
17: you're just the type that would rubber, heel.
6: <laughs>
8: well, I hope you're happy, Costello. You finally got those nylons.
15: Now let's go.
16: Come in. Hello, Lucille, darling. I just came over to. Why, my fat little sugar man, what are you all doing here two-timing on me? You all are a kid, sir. I never want to see you again. What do you say to that?
8: Well, shut my mouth. <laughs> Abbott, she did. It serves you right. Okay, so what are we going to do about it? I mean, after all. Look, honey, why do you treat me this way? Look, I gotta get you the... I, I got you the nylon stockings.
16: Why, sure enough, honey. Bless your fat little heart. But <laughs> well, why did you all... Uh, why didn't you have them wrapped as a gift?
8: Wrapped as a gift? I thought you were gonna wear them.
16: Shucks, no. I'm giving them to Lucille Ball. Lucille Ball?
8: Wait a minute. Then who have I got a date with tonight?
17: Not with me, sugar. Not with me, shorty.
8: That's all. Nobody wants me.
17: The world's against me.
8: Uh... Don't talk like that, Lou. I'm your pal. My arms are around you. How do you feel? I still feel lonesome.
10: <laughs> then rest your head
8: on my shoulder, Lou. Okay, Abbott. Now, how do you feel?
18: Much better. Let's
8: dance. Get out of here!
15: Abbott and Costello will be back in just a moment. Again, we send our thanks to the Yanks of the Week, Americans who have distinguished themselves for heroism in the battle area.
4: Tonight, we salute Marine Private John Elzer of Wyatt, West Virginia, who stowed away in one of the landing ships that stormed the Bougainville Beach. In the midst of 18 Japanese pillboxes, he started hurling hand grenades, accounted for six Japanese soldiers, and aided his adopted unit in taking 16 of the 18 pillboxes. In your honor, Private Ulzer, the makers of camels are sending to Marines in the Pacific
15: 300,000 camel cigarettes. Each of the four camel radio shows honors a yank of the week, sends 300,000 camels overseas, a total of more than a million camels set free each week. The traveling camel caravans have thanked nearly three and a half million yanks in this country with free shows and free camels. And friends, be sure to listen to the four camel radio shows each week. Friday night. Laugh with Jimmy Durante and Gary Moore tomorrow night over another network. Saturday night. Bob Hawk in the comedy quiz, Thanks to the Yanks. Monday night. Monday nights, it's Blondie. Thursday night. And of course, Thursday night, it's Abbott and Costello with their guest next week, Jane Wyman. And here's a message of special importance to our women listeners. Today and every day, our sailors are leaving shore posts to help take our ships into action. As rapidly as they go, their stations are filled by waves. Every girl who wants to serve her country will find life in the waves active and interesting. And because the service pays all her living expenses, she will, in most cases, earn as much or more money as on her present job. Apply to your nearest Navy recruiting station or write to WAVES, Washington 25, D.C., for the free booklet, The Story of You in Navy Blue, Describing Life in the Waves. Here's Abbott and Costello with a final word. Thanks, Ken. Well, folks, next Thursday is
8: Thanksgiving and Jane Wyman will be here to help us celebrate. And be sure to tune in, everybody. We won't have a turkey but that Jane Wyman. What a chicken! Woo! Good night, folks. Good night. Good night, everybody at the Lone Pond. woo woo <laughs>
15: Tune in next week for another great Abbott and Costello show. And remember, camel cigarettes are packed to go around the world. They stay fresh, cool smoking, and slow burning because camels are packed to go around the world. This is Ken Niles wishing you all a very pleasant good night from Hollywood. This program came to you from Hollywood. This is the National Broadcasting Company.
0: The Abbott and Costello Show is first heard on NBC November 18th, 1943. Boy, the whole country was really, I mean, the war affected everything, just everything. And you could hear it all the way through that show thing I, I normally i cut out camel cigarette commercials any cigarette commercial from these shows but i thought that one was kind of significant can you imagine them sending a million cigarettes a week to uh to servicemen i guess the servicemen really appreciated them at the time but uh i wonder how many of those people later died of lung cancer did you hear the blooper in the show right at the beginning uh Lou was in a discussion, well, Bud and and, and uh, Lou were in a discussion with um, Ken Miles' wife there, and uh, Lou read some of the stage direction in the script. Well, here, listen.
12: Kenneth Miles, you come with
8: me. No, door, door slams oh, no, no, that. no, excuse me. <laughs> come here, Costello. Well, I was written here. I never script. mind what's written there.
10: Excuse me.
0: <laughs> Did you hear that? Lou said, door slams. He actually read part of the stage stage direction. Then he caught himself. He goes, oh, and, and Bud goes, ah, oh, never mind that. Yeah, they, were, they were consummate pros. In the show, Lou made a reference to the OPA in talking about uh, trying to find a pair of nylon stockings. He said something about, I hope the OPA doesn't find out or... Anyway, he was afraid of the OPA. The OPA was the Office of Price Administration. And they had the power to place ceilings on commodity prices and to ration scarce supplies of other items, including things like tires were rationed and automobiles, uh, shoes, nylon, rubber, sugar, gasoline, fuel oil, coffee, meat, processed foods. And, of course, uh, nylon stockings were part of that group uh, because they were made out of nylon. Nylon stockings made their debut in Wilmington, Delaware in October of 1939. And the chemist who invented this synthetic material worked for DuPont, which is headquartered in Wilmington. Well, from the moment that DuPont realized the qualities of this very stretchy, durable, washable, dryable material. Uh, the company channeled its invention to women's hosiery. They recognized that there would be a huge potential market there. And really, during the 30s, hemlines were were rising. And stockings, uh, before nylon came along, were made of either silk or rayon. These stockings had become an essential part of a woman's wardrobe because of the rising hemline. But the trouble with uh, silk stockings is they were very delicate. They didn't uh, stick to the leg nearly as well as nylon does. And they were very prone to runs. In fact, women, it is estimated, purchased an average of 8 to 10 pairs of stockings per year during uh, during the 30s. Well, the first test sale that DuPont made of the new nylon hosiery they developed was made to DuPont employees and their families. And it took place at the company's, uh, I guess, like their company store. And they provided 4,000 pairs to be sold to uh, employees and employees' family members. 4,000 pairs sold out in three hours. So DuPont's initial sales success in Wilmington was just the beginning of the nylon stocking craze. In May of 1940, on May 16th, it was officially declared to be Nylon Day, and 4 million pairs of brown nylons landed on department store shelves throughout the United States at a price of about $1.15 a pair. They sold out within two days, 40 million, or excuse me, 4 million pairs of nylons. But anyway, as quickly as nylon stockings found their way into department stores, they quickly disappeared. Why? Well, during World War II, the United States could no longer import silk from Japan. In fact, it became almost impossible to import silk from anywhere. So DuPont convinced the Army that nylon was a much more effective material than silk because of its elasticity, its strength, and the fact that it was both shrink-proof and moth-proof. Well, the Army signed on quickly, and nylon was permitted only in the manufacturing of parachutes, tire cords, ropes, shoelaces, mosquito netting, and hammocks, all which were vital to national defense. Well now women suddenly couldn't get their hands on nylons, and so they started resorting to lotions and creams and stick cakes and even painting seam lines down their legs to give the illusion that they were wearing nylons. Nylon stockings became increasingly popular on the black market, and uh, many times they sold for $20 a pair or more. But When the war ended and the rationing finally eased, nylon stockings started returning to stores where they sold very quickly. In fact, they coined the term nylon riots when thousands of women would queue up trying to snag available pairs of nylons because they were still in short supply. It took a while to get the supply built back up. In fact, the situation got out of hand in Pittsburgh when 40,000 women lined up for over a mile trying to purchase at least one pair of the 13,000 pair that were available in the department store.
11: I'll be happy when the nylons boom again Cotton is monotonous to men Only way to keep affection fresh Get some mesh for your flesh I'll be happy when the nylons boom again Sirens then when those frozen holes again appear. Man that all seems clear. Working women of the USA and Britain. Humble dowager, a lonely we Will be happy as a puppy or a kid Humble dowager, a lowly jebutant. We'll be happy as a puppy or a canton, stepping back into the night.
0: Chester, uh, Chester signaling to me. What is it, Chester? Phone call? Sure, yeah, we'll take a phone call. Put him through. Hi, caller, this is Bob Bro on Boomer Boulevard. Who am I talking to, please?
13: Hello, Bob, this is uh, Elsie Frickert, and I'm calling you from Albuquerque New Mexico.
0: Well, it's nice to have you along, uh, Elsie. What can I do you for?
13: Are you about to play an episode of Gunsmoke?
0: Uh, I am. Gunsmoke is the uh, is the next show up. Yeah.
13: Well, I was just wondering. You know, when you play the introduction with Matthew gets in the gunfight at the beginning, and then you play the theme music.
0: Right. Yeah, we do that every week to uh, to start the show off.
13: Well, I wish you'd let the music play out sometime. My goodness! As soon as, as soon as that old boy falls down and Matt walks away, you just cut that music right off, and we go into the show. And I just love that music.
0: You, you you want the theme music for Gunsmoke to play out?
13: Yes, I think everybody would like that. We love that beautiful, beautiful music.
0: Okay, Elsie. Well, I'm not going to do it every week because people would get tired of it. But we haven't done that in quite a while, so I will do that tonight. How is everything there in Albuquerque?
13: Oh, it's snowing, just snowing. I have a lot of uh, my children in today, so it's uh, you know they can't go outside and play, and it's on school vacation, so.
0: How many children do you have, Elsie?
13: I have eight, eight little children, and then we babysit for my nieces and nephews. So, oh, we have what is it, twelve children in here every day? It's just, oh, it's just—they're uh, just crawling all over the place, Bob. But anyway, if you play that entire, entire theme music, uh, I would appreciate it.
0: Well, I'll do that, Elsie. Twelve children? How do you? How can you even hear the show?
13: I, I put on the earmuffs, you know the. The, the earphones, you know, and I listen that way. It, it makes it very good. I just tune those little boogers out. Just tune them out. Just so, you know, they might be killing themselves for all I know. <laughs> but anyway, if you would play that whole theme song, I would appreciate it.
0: I'm going to do it right now. Thank you, Elsie, and I hope everything is going well there in Albuquerque <laughs>
10: No. Oh.
0: It's time for Gunsmoke, everybody, and uh, we're gonna let the music play out just as Elsie requested. Here's a little bit about tonight's show. This one was originally broadcast on uh, the 30th of December, 1956. Now, I'm recording this on the 31st of December and 19, I mean, in 2018. So, what is that? 44 plus 18, 54, 64, 62 years ago yesterday this made its debut on cbs and i had mentioned at the beginning of the show that we had two um, shows that aren't so action-packed but kind of tug at your heartstrings and this is the second one that i mentioned the name of this episode is hound dog and i don't want to say anything else about it because i don't want to give anything away but i think you're thoroughly going to be entertained Here comes Gunsmoke and Hound.
2: Mr. Dillon, one of these here days I'm just gonna shake the dust of Dodge City off of my boots for good.
1: Sure, I know it, Chester. How much you lose this time?
2: Eleven dollars and twenty. Who said anything about losing?
1: Well, every time you sit in on one of those draw games, the boys whip saw you and you threaten to pull stakes and leave town.
2: And one of these times I'm gonna do it, too.
1: Sure, and the first thing you look for in the next town will be a draw poker table.
2: Well, maybe I ought to change to stud or blackjack.
1: If <laughs> you ought to just keep your money in your pocket, you're everything. Yeah,
2: no, I, I got a hunch my luck is right on the point of turning, Mister Dillon. Oh? Uh-huh. Well, if I only had say five dollars or so to get back into the game, no. I could be. be well, e- even if I only had a dollar. Oh, oh, Miss Kitty, just one single dollar. You're broke, Chester. Well, i uh, yes. Here you go. Oh, no, no. no. Now, I just couldn't think of taking money from a lady, Mr. Dillon. Ah, well, well I'll except this alone, it. maybe I could. Excuse me, Mr. Dillon. I'll pay it back in just a few minutes.
1: You know, Kitty, you're a born soft touch. Oh, well, if he needs it, Matt. It's those sharps over there at the poker table that need it.
3: Oh, well, he can't get hurt bad on one dollar.
1: Chester's hurt bad when he loses ten cents. Yeah?
7: Maybe he's lucky, Matt.
1: Ah, uh, how so?
7: Oh, Forget it, Matt. Just one of those nights, I guess.
1: Yeah. Dad, would a drink help, maybe? Probably not.
7: But I'll have one anyway. At least it won't do me any harm. Okay. Oh, well, I see the Marshal of Dodge is out carousing again. Hello, Doc. How are you, Doc? Oh, my kitty, you look prettier in a basket full of sunflowers. Thank you. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. (laughs) Oh, say, Matt. You'll never guess who came to my office for help
1: this afternoon. Uh, no, but they got my sympathy, Doc. It, uh, it was old Carpus Degg. Carpus? Who's
7: Carpus Degg? Well, he lives in a shack on the river bottom, Kitty. He hunts a little, traps some, keeps pretty much to himself.
1: What's wrong with him, Doc?
7: Nothing. He brought me a patient. Too late to do any good, of course. He died right on my operating table.
1: Oh. Died of what? A bullet wound. You mean somebody was shot this afternoon? And you didn't tell me about it.
7: I didn't think it was important. It was the corpus though? <laughs> yes. He looked mighty broken up when he left.
1: Doc, will you please... I touch- reckon a
7: man living alone that way without any human friends can get pretty fond of an old hound dog. A dog? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess I did forget to mention it was that old spotted hound dog of his that was shot. <laughs> well, how are you, Doc? Uh, <laughs> Miss Kitty?
3: Uh, yeah,
2: Chester.
7: Uh, do, do you think
2: maybe you can get by till payday for that dollar? <laughs> forget it, Chester. Yeah, Yes,
7: forget it, Chester. Uh, no, no. No. No use looking at me, Chester. Well, I was just
1: thinking... uh, Doc, did Carpus have any idea who shot his dog?
7: If he did, he wasn't saying. But from the look on his face when he walked out, I'm glad it wasn't me. Now, why would anybody do a thing like that? Well, I don't know. It's too bad, but there's nothing much to be done about it.
1: I think maybe I'd better ride out there in the morning and have a talk with Carpus. What for? This wouldn't be the first time that a dog getting killed would finally lead to a man getting killed.
2: looks deserted, Mister Dun. Maybe old Carp has gone off somewheres. And yeah,
1: There's somebody cutting wood over there in the draw. Let's leave our horses here in the lean-to, Chester.
2: All right, sir. Man, it'd have to be a little ouchy to want to live out here all alone this way.
1: Yeah, maybe it's not a matter of choice. Um, no company except
2: for dogs. No neighbors for ten miles or more.
1: That's not quite that far. Pete Rimmer's got a homestead about two miles north of here.
2: Maybe he shot that hound, Mister Dillon.
1: Oh, well, why do you say that?
2: Oh, I don't know. But folks mostly leaves old Carpus to himself.
1: Yeah, I know.
20: Hold it there,
1: right where you are, Mister Dillon. Take it easy, Chester. Who is it? Speak up there. It's Matt Dillon, Carpus, and Chester. You better put that rifle down.
20: Oh, well, I didn't recognize you, Marshal. My eyes ain't what they used to be. I thought maybe it was... Well, you thought what? Well, I I, I... I just didn't know.
1: You mean you thought it might be whoever shot your dog, huh? Oh, Doc told you about that. Huh? I'm sorry to hear it, covers
20: I'd had Danny Boy 11 years, Marshal. He was going blind, pretty near bad as me. And he sure weren't no use to hunt with no more. Well, but... but I'll say one thing, Marshal, I'd have given my right arm rather than lose that hound. I reckon folks should call it crazy, but that's how I felt.
1: Well, living alone, I guess a man learns to appreciate a dog.
20: Oh, he he understood every word that was said to him, just as good as you or me. By evenings... We'd sit there in my shack, and I'd talk to him, and... Well, we won't be doing that no more now.
1: Who do you think shot him?
20: Let's walk back up to the shack, Marshal. It's getting Mike Cole standing here. All right. Hey, look yonder. Here goes a Rabbit. Look at that d- and fool run. He's <laughs> sure scratching gravel. Danny boy had been after him like a shot. He'd have lost him right off, but he'd sure give it a try. Rabbits, coyotes, prairie chickens. He'd chase anything that moved. Blundering along, blind
1: as a bat, baying his lungs out. Carpus, you have any idea why anybody'd want to shoot him?
20: Because they're playing low down me, that's why. Ain't no other reason for doing a thing like that. Come on inside. All right. Ain't nothing fancy, but it keeps the weather off. I'll have some coffee going here in a couple of minutes. Marshal, if you mind to set a spell.
1: Well, don't go to any bother on our account.
20: No, no, it's no bother. Just get a few more logs in here. I ain't sure I can scare up three mugs, though. It's kind of unusual having callers here. Folks always acted like I had the plague or... Something.
1: Well, uh, people get caught up in their own troubles, I guess, Carvis, just get too busy sometimes to be neighborly.
20: Yeah, yeah. man can get lonesome, Marshal.
1: Yeah, I know. Uh, Pete Raymer and his missus ever drop by here?
20: No, never.
1: Uh-huh. Where'd you find the dog after he'd been shot?
20: I didn't find him. You found me. He come dragging himself back here to the cabin. I rushed him right into dock, but it was too late.
1: And you don't know where it happened, then?
20: Yes, I know. I followed his trail back this morning. It was in a brushy draw, about a mile from here,
1: uh, toward the Raymer place. You no, know, more or less.
20: I'll take care of it, Marshal. You just stay out of it. Laws for people, and not
1: for dumb animals. Your dog wasn't shot by a dumb animal, Carpus. I'll settle it in my own way. And you know who did it.
20: I know, all right. And I'll see they pay for it, too. That kind of
1: paying for it gets out of hand sometimes. I'm the one that suffered the loss. It's my concern, not.
2: Carpus! Come out here! Somebody's out there in the yard.
21: You hear me? Get out! Get out on the floor!
1: Well, it seems like one of your neighbors has finally come calling on your carpus.
20: That's Pete Raymer out there, Marshal.
21: You heard me, you mangy old weasel. Come on out here.
20: He's aiming to kill me. But why? Well, I I don't rightly know, but he fired a bullet through
1: the window, didn't he? All right, Carpers, you stay away from the door. You too, Chester. Yes, sir. Raymer, it's Matt Dillon. You hold your fire. I'm coming out.
21: I didn't know you was in there, Marshal.
1: No, I guess you didn't.
21: Uh, understand I understand, I wasn't aiming to shoot nobody. Is that so? No. He's trying to throw a scare into him, into old Carpus. I mean, bring him to his senses, maybe. Has he been out of his senses? Well, he sure act like it. Marshal, you know what he'd done this morning? He tried to shoot my kid's dog. Huh. Snuck up through the brush, took a shot at her. Sonny, seen him do it. Any idea what had caused him to do a thing like that? Oh, dang, if I know. He's just crazy, I reckon. He always been to mite touched, you know that. That's why folks around here just stay shy of him. Well, that might work both ways, Rimmer. How's that? Being
1: lonesome, acting strange. They kind of go together sometimes.
21: Yeah, maybe.
1: Are you the one who shot his dog?
21: What? If he says that, he's a liar. I ain't even seen that old hound for a week. Didn't know he was shot till you told me. Anybody says I done that is a liar.
20: Well, I I say you done it, Raymer. You
21: you calling me a liar? I'm calling you anything you're. You have right. you I listen you. to. Marshal, is that what he told you, that I killed his dog? No, he didn't
1: tell me anything. He said he'd take care of it himself.
21: Yes, and I will, too. That's what you was doing sneaking and, around my place And, and I, for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, it's the law, the scripture. All right, right you know. just take warning from me right oh. now. I catch you around my place one more time, I'm going to put a bullet in right. you. I ain't
20: too bad to shot myself. You, you better not. be a good oh, shot if you get All do right, do shut, it,
21: up, shut up, both of
1: Shut up. Like I told you, Carpus, this way of paying for things comes high sometimes.
21: Danny boy was the only thing I had in the world. Well, of... then you ought to find out who killed him instead of coming I... around and scaring my kid after death. I know who killed Son him. Sonny come running home like, like like old Scratch yourself was after him, yelling. He, it's Mr. Daggy's yelling. He just took a shot at my dog. Oh, Carpus, if I could have got my hands on you... Wait a minute, Romer. Right wait a minute. Is that really what he said? I ain't known to be a liar, Marshal. The exact words I mean. Well, that's the gospel, so huh? If lightning was to strike me, that right. All right, right all right.
1: I suppose we all ride over to your place, Raymond. My place? Yeah. I want to talk to Sonny.
21: What for?
1: It might help to prevent a murder.
21: Kid, Marshal. Right there in front of the barn. Sonny? Sonny? Yeah, Pop? Come on over here a minute, Sonny, will you? Marshall wants to talk to you. Hey, Marshal? Yeah, come on. Here. Here, the, sonny. Come back.
2: You run into the barn, Mr. Dillon.
21: Yeah. I well, can't figure what Come over that boy, Marshal. I will we'll soon find out. <laughs>
1: Maybe it'd be better if you and Carpus stayed here with the horses, Framer. You say so? Keep an eye on him, Chester. Don't let him get into an argument.
21: All right, you? can't figure why Sonny'd run into that barn. Well, just like you see the ghost.
5: Don't
1: figure why the monster talk.
22: Sonny. What do you want?
1: I want to talk to you. I want you to open the door. Go away. You can't get away from a thing by hiding from it, Sonny.
22: Go on away, Marshal. I got a gun in here.
1: Uh Oh? Good, I'd like to see it. No. All right, Sonny, I'll give you just three seconds to open this door. Now move.
22: marshal go ahead and arrest me if you want to but but please don't let mr dig shoot Nellie. he won't he tried to this morning that's why i got her tied up here in the barn now
1: why do you suppose he did it sonny
22: why to he get even because i well, i guess you know about it don't you
1: know about what
22: it was an accident marshal cross my heart it was i was after an old coyote and he ran into that brush patch and I went in after him and seen something moving. I thought it was him, so I fired. Only it wasn't. It was that old hound dog of Mr. Degg's. Oh.
1: A man should never pull a trigger unless he's sure what he's got in his sights, son. Yes,
22: sir, I know. Pop always told me that, but I just forgot. Now I have to go to jail
1: and. Now, you stop that kind of talk. You're not going to jail. Hey, Carpus, come over here, will you? You too, Rammer.
22: I was scared that Joe would happen because I knew Pop would be mad and I didn't think anyone would believe me.
1: What is it, Marshal? Carpus, it was the boy here who shot your dog. It was.
22: I didn't mean to do it, Mr. Digg. I, I thought it was a coyote, but it was old Danny boy. I know how you like that old hound. I sure feel awful about it.
20: Are you sure it was an accident?
22: Y- yes, sir, it was. Honestly it was. Well... Uh, uh, Nellie's going to have pups in a couple of weeks, Mr. Digg. And I'll let you have your choice of the litter. Any one of them you want.
20: Well, uh, that hound of mine was a trained hunter, Sonny. Takes a lot of work to train a young pup.
22: I'll help you. I'll come over every day as soon as my chores is done and help you train him.
20: Well, that sounds like a pretty fair offer. This Nellie's a good dog, isn't she?
22: She's the best dog in the world. You just take a look at her. Come on, I- I'll show you.
21: Oh, uh, uh, I'm mighty sorry about this, Carpus.
20: Yeah, that, that's
21: all right. It couldn't be helped.
11: Come on, Mr. Dick. Yeah,
20: all right, Sonny. All right, I'm coming. Yeah. Looks like old Carpus
2: has finally got himself a friend, Mr. Jones.
1: Yeah. Looks like two, though, Chester. Counting the pup.
19: Join us again next week for another specially transcribed story on Gunsmoke. This is the United States Armed Forces Radio and Television Service.
0: From December 30th, 1956, that was one of those tug at your heartstrings episodes we love so much on Gunsmoke.
6: style someday
10: old dream maker you heart breaker
9: wherever you're going
10: i'm going your way the world there's such a lot of world to see we're after the same rainbows and waiting around the bend
0: What a beautiful, beautiful tune. Henry Mancini and Johnny Mercer wrote that, Moon River, and yes, that was Audrey Hepburn singing at the beginning, because she sang that uh, that little piece in the motion picture Breakfast at Tiffany's. Just seemed like kind of a fitting song to end the year. Well, Chester is telling me we are all out of time. He is waving over there frantically. It looks like we're out of hot toddies, too. Eh, hey, Chester? All gone. All right. Well, let's pick up all the shows and carry them back into the vault. That's going to kick things in the head for another week. Never fear, however, because we will be back next week with the archive show and then back in two weeks with a whole new selection of shows. So you have nothing to worry about. Well, folks, this is, as I record this, day 365. So that means we made it. Are you tired? Well, don't get too tired because guess what starts tomorrow? Day one. Day one. And we started all over again. Well, this is Bob Bro, and I am so glad you spent this last day of the year with me. And we'll see you next time. I am so glad you stopped by, and I'm so glad you met me.